Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of All Cued Up, your review podcast type of streaming services like Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, with me always is Maya Don Fisher. Now, before I ask her how her week's been, we should uh, clear clarify some shit that's been going on. So, if you're if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you may have noticed that uploads had stopped around early uh, August, and that's because for some reason we can't figure it out. Um, when we would upload new episodes, they just disappeared. There was there they they just didn't stay. They didn't they didn't go. We don't know, and we just recently yeah. noticed. Yeah, because I don't go back and double check and all all that shit and would upload and be done and bam, they're gone. So what sucks is I'm gonna have to re edit all those. Um yeah. Because once once an episode's published, I just delete it from my hard drive after a couple of weeks. And I've deleted all those episodes except for the original recordings, which I do thankfully have access to. Because yeah. even though I don't have them on my hard drive, they are saved to YouTube. So I just have to rip the new YouTube. So over the next uh, record couple months. Not record, but re-edit. Yeah. Over the next couple months, um, you're going to see our new episodes come up, which are going to be closer to the date that we record. So like this episode is going to come out on um, the 1st of yep. December. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you're going to see like ones pop up that are like August, blah, 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 or you know September, blah, blah, blah. So that sucks a bit. Sucks more for Maya than anybody else because I don't have the capability of, of editing these or I would do them. But yeah. um, it is but what it is. It is what it is. And thankfully, I don't have to jump in and do like however many all at once yeah um but uh with that being said um we have a pretty stacked podcast because the other aspect to this is that we haven't recorded in three weeks due to illnesses and sicknesses and and just things popping up in our lives um two weeks ago i was really sick last week you were really sick yeah i currently so my sickness was fun because I just had a simple cold. That was it. It was there was nothing major to it. It was like a chest cold that I had a little cough on, no biggie. That was like Monday of last week, and then uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Like Wednesday, I felt good, and uh, and I was like, cool. It's still there a little bit, but it's not that big of a deal. Towards the evening, I couldn't stop coughing. Just couldn't fucking stop, and so then on Thanksgiving, um. The cough was really bad, and uh, everyone was really worried about me, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And then so um, Friday morning, uh, I had uh, I had cough drops, which was helping, and I take my mom to her uh, x-ray and um, what do you call that, um, MRI appointment, mm-hmm. and uh, I have to wear a mask the whole time because I can't prove to them that what I have isn't contagious. Yeah. I'm just constantly fucking coughing. Um, and uh, so after her appointment, we went to urgent care. And they got us in, and the doctor just listened to my chest. And she was like, you have bronchitis. That sucks. She's like, you said you had a cold beforehand? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you got bronchitis. I was like, god damn it. She's like, yeah, it's going to suck for like two weeks. 
It's uh, really going to suck for two weeks. Yeah, literally. If not longer. And so she goes, yeah, she goes, what I'm going to prescribe to you is this inhaler. And basically what the inhaler does is um, it breaks up all the mucus, allowing you to breathe better, not cough so much. So thankfully yeah. I got that. And I think it's working the fucking charm, but. Um, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But uh, I hear it in my voice. Um, yeah, I'll tell you right yeah, now, like last week. I hear it. Yeah, I was gonna say last week. Last week, you we we were gonna record, but I was like, every five minutes, it was like a hard cough. So you might hear me cough in this episode, but it's not that big of a deal. But yeah, that's that's like that's what's been going on. Is we've just been we've been sick, we've been busy. Like it's just so much going on right now. Like, and uh, it was last week. I wanted to know if we had reviewed the finale of Loki. Yeah, and that's yeah, when I, I discovered the episode. Yeah. Because at first I was just like, why the fuck are these episodes uploaded? That's so weird. And uh, I messaged you and I was like, go check the episodes. You were like, what? And you were like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. So, but. Uh, It's a minor annoyance and inconvenience, but it's not horrible. (coughs) Like that. Yeah. Um, But uh, other than that, Maya, how has your last week been after being that sick? Pretty good. Pretty good uh, for the most part. Did... uh, Thanksgiving Day itself was blast. Just me and Misty sitting here, you know, doing our own thing. Um, you know, we get to spend it together, but we didn't cook or anything. Madison went to my mom's because my mom made big dinner. And, of course, you know, I'm not invited to family functions. Um, it's such bullshit, dude. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, Saturday, we had a family dinner. Misty and I cooked, um, and we had her sisters, both of her sisters, their husbands and kids, and her, their mom were all over. So it was 11 of us, uh, and we had a really good time, enjoyed ourselves, uh, good food. I mean, I taught Misty how to make my killer turkey gravy, and she did a wonderful job on it. And uh, we uh, brought a turkey Friday night, cooked it Saturday morning, uh, put it on the brine about nine o'clock because it only had to brine for 12 hours. And we got up the next morning, and about eight o'clock, 830, we put the dressing in. We made two different types of dressing. Then we put the turkey in, made the turkey. Then after the turkey was done, Use the grease off the the grease. Essentially, that's what it is. We use the broth off of the turkey to uh, use it to make homemade turkey gravy and then uh, homemade mashed potatoes, garlic roasted mashed potatoes. By the way, took a whole head of garlic, roasted it in the oven, put that whole head of garlic in the mashed potatoes that we made, and it was very good. 
you know, Sheena brought a ham. They had desserts. Uh, top of pudding desserts. Oddly enough, no pumpkin pie. No apple pie. But Madison made pumpkin cream cheese uh, cookies. Uh, Friday afternoon, her and Misty made them, and they turned out really well. Very, very good. Uh, let's see. You know, so we had a good Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, our sisters each brought things, and our mom brought things, and everybody just devoured the food. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good time. Everybody left, and then uh, I watched Survivor Series. Uh, only the only reason I really watched Survivor Series was because there was a rumor. <laughs> And it's been a very prevalent rumor that CM Punk was going to show up because Survivor Series was in Chicago. Now I'm 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 a wrestling fan. I love wrestling, but CM Punk is my all-time favorite. Um, and I was so wild to me. I don't get it. I've been following him since 2004. I used to have DVDs. I used to buy DVDs online from from his Ring Ring of Honor days, like all of his matches and everything. I mean, that's how much of a fan of this guy I am. You know, um, love him on the mic, in the ring. You know, just always been a fan. Can't help it. So there was the rumor, huh? You can't help it, but I don't want to. Um, However, uh, rumor was he was going to be at the Rumble, and I was talking to Greg, and we were watching the Rumble together. You know, I was watching at my place, he at his, and we was just commenting back and forth on the things that were happening on screen and what have you. It was funny, too, because all the insiders that we follow were just like, we haven't heard shit. Like, we don't think he's going to be here. Well, there was a lot of speculation early on that he was. And then, right, 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 right. After, and then after about a month of that, they're like, well, you know, it's looking like he's not going to be there, blah, blah, blah. And that's when the, apparently the deal came together and they kept it very hush, hush. From what I read, from what I read, like the only people that knew he was there was, was Khan uh, and Triple H. Yeah, that was it. Everybody else was fucking surprised. Like, in the last five minutes before he came out, they knew. That's when they knew. Like, apparently Michael Cole and um, Corey Graves got in their ear that he was coming out about five minutes before he did. Because they didn't want it leaked. They knew it was going to be a big pop, so. Yeah. And it turns out, as you can guess, he did show up at the very end of the show. And... Well, we're talking about him, so <laughs> we're talking about it. Yeah, seventy over seventy-one million views. The most viewed piece of social media in WWE history. Yeah, I don't like CM Punk. I'm not a big fan. Um, I don't think he's a bad ring worker. I just everything else about him, I'm not a fan of. And uh, but I can't sit there and deny that he is immensely fucking popular. Immensely. Very popular. Uh, 
you know, and that's that's what Triple H said in the in the press conference after the fucking pay per view. It's just like say what you will about him, love him, hate him. He makes people talk. Mm-hmm. He knows how to get people to talk about him, and that's part of his brilliance. Uh, I could go on all day, but I won't because then I watched Raw the next night. Because I knew he was going to be in Raw. I was like, you don't bring back the hottest free agent in the fucking world on a Saturday night and then not show, not not have them come out on Monday Night Raw. Now, I have not been excited to watch a Monday Night Raw in 10 years. After he left, I lost a lot of enthusiasm for Raw. And then I watched wrestling for a couple more years, and then I said, fuck. I think it was the WrestleMania that the Hardys came back in, and they were wrestling against, maybe it was, I can't remember who they were wrestling, but I was just like, oh, I'm done. I'm just done. And I didn't watch wrestling for several years again <clears throat> of any sort. And then I recently started watching it again because CM Punk. That, the whole AEW deal, like he's coming to AEW, and I watched, and he sure enough he went, and I enjoyed AEW for what it was, but he got me back into it, and AEW reminded me of the old territory days, especially Crockett Promotions, and Mid South, um, <clears throat> and I would watch that, but you know, Greg brought up a great point. There's things that each company, each mainstream company, AEW and WWE, do well. AEW puts on great matches pretty much consistently uh, a lot. Whereas their storytelling is shit. WWE has the average, okay, run-of-the-mill match. You've seen it once, you've seen it all. But their storytelling is excellent. Uh, There's no denying that. For the most part. And their production values are better. There's no denying that. But, you know, there's that's the thing. I've never been a big, huge fan of WWE, but there is a little bit of something for everyone out there. I'm not going to do oh, that. You know, one of the things... Stuff that I hate the- that is stuff that people love. And they enjoy that. Let them enjoy that. I'm still going to say, yeah, I'm not a fan, but... Well, like I, I, I messaged you a while back and I said, what would you rather have? Um, uh, um, a heel that's that's funny and kind of like silly, but still like a somewhat of a threat or a um, or a fucking like super hardcore, serious, kind of annoying fucking heel that takes things too far sometimes. And you were the, like the fucking the ladder, ladder. <laughs> the ladder every day, all day. And so then we went through fucking heels, and I was like, I fucking love Bruno San Martino. I love, um, like, anytime that there's a funny heel, I'm fucking all in. Bruno like right San now, Martino, what am I... not Bruno San not... Martino. No, Santino you're Marella. right. Santino Morella. Excuse the brain. It doesn't work right. Um, yeah, you're right. I was like, I said it out loud, and I was like, that's not who you meant, Greg. Just continue talking. Um but I fucking love comedy heels so goddamn much. And uh, uh, 
I'm trying to think of who exactly in the WWE is a comedy heel at the moment. Because I know that oh. Alpha Academy was meant to be, but people liked him too much, so they became a face. Yeah, they Chad still... Gable. Oh, God. I hate that guy. I Why do you hate Chad so Gable? Much. He's a fucking great ring worker. Oh, he's a great ring worker. No, I'm talking about his on-character persona. His on-screen persona. Oh, I fucking hate it. Now, in the ring, dude's money. but And I used to be a fan, but what they've done to him can't stand it he came it's up like, with that character oh i know that's, they. that's a him <laughs> well they push it they push it they encourage sure. it <clears throat> one of the things that triple h is really good about even with <clears throat> sorry even with uh um vince in his ear was allowing the wrestlers to make their own characters like right now, one of the things in NXT that's really cool is that um, Shawn Michaels will sit down with the new recruits and say, "Hey, um, like, what is your what what who who were who were the characters you looked up to growing up?" And he would sit there and they would say this, this, and this, and then they'd pull up fucking old tapes and they'd watch the old tapes and kind of have a discussion with the new wrestler. And this is like a this is a, this is a Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels thing, and then they'll figure out the character with the wrestler. And then that wrestler's happy with that fucking character because it works for them. That's the same thing that happened with Chad Gable. Not so much Otis, because Otis is just like, you know, he's he's going to be a goofball anyway. Because mm-hmm. that's who he has always been. But uh, I was watching this interview recently with a guy that's in, the, in NXT. Um, I can't think of his name now. But uh, he was talking about how um, when he first debuted, he had a character and it just was, it was not working. And Sean noticed it right the fuck away and was like, hey, come meet me here. Da, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll talk. And they spent like six to seven hours watching old tapes and discussing shit. And Sean was like, you know, Trips and I were talking a while back because, of course, Sean calls fucking Triple H just Trips. Um, we're, t- we're talking a while back about you in the ring, and you're great in the ring, but your character ain't popping. Your character's not doing shit. Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Like, who are the wrestlers you watched growing up? And so Sean's like, done. So he pulls up the old tapes, and he's like, let's figure it out. And I love that. I fucking love that. Because then you're going to get the best performance out of your wrestlers, you know? But I digress. Um, so so Monday night when we were watching Raw, we knew that shot that that CM Punk was going to be there because one of the big things is that um, their quote unquote GM, um, I can't think of his name, Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce. Yeah, I want to say Nick Aldis, but I'm like Nick Aldis is the GM for SmackDown. Um, Adam Pierce was on Instagram on there on the WWE's uh, page, and he was like. Uh, we have a great show for you on Monday night. And he's talking about the match setups. He's like, and we have Randy Orton and CM Punk here tonight. Only on USA. And yeah. uh, and I was like, of course you have those two. Like, they just came back. Like, kind of a shame he didn't mention our truth You know, it was another big comeback. I'm joking. I'm fucking joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't get me was. started. 
hilarious, dude. I don't care what you say. This shit is bad. Needle happen. Um, and our truth is having a fucking talented. blast. Oh, he's having a blast, and he's incredibly talented. I just prefer his him as a more serious character, like he was in the. Well, you prefer everybody as a more serious killer. character. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the entire night. They keep like just fucking teasing the shit at any CM Punk fan watching. They kept saying yeah. he's there, he's here. They would mention him constantly. And every time you think he'd pop up, because it would make sense for that particular thing, he didn't pop up. He just wouldn't show the fuck up. I remember like right at the end of um, like after the cameras cut on uh, on Survivor Series, Seth Rollins does not like Punk at all. He's been very vocal about that, but well, CM Punk. Well, hold on. I don't think Rollins a lot is of also dislike. no. Rollins does dislike him. There's a lot of evidence, more than what we've seen. My point, though, is that Rollins is also a team player, and even though he doesn't like a, another person, he will still work with him for the betterment of the company. He'll still work with him for the betterment of the story. So, if very likely they're going to use this real beef for stage because that works the best um seth will seth will go with it. he'll do it um uh that being said um as i read a whole bunch of shit i think that seth was playing it up oh yeah he, he was. was absolutely playing it up um because there's a bunch of people i'm sorry there's a bunch of people in that locker room that are not sam punk fans they just aren't there's a lot that are, but there's a lot that are not. And a lot of the ones that are not are just going to be like, whatever. Like, that's their reaction. Seth is more like, ugh, whatever. Like, that's, that's, that's how he feels, right? But, obviously, people know that about Seth. So, I don't know who told Seth or if Seth thought of it himself, but he is freaking the fuck out after the camera's cut when CM Punk was there. So, yeah. when Raw starts and CM Punk or um, uh, Rollins comes out, even the crowd starts chanting CM Punk. And I'm sitting there going, he's definitely coming out now. He's got he's to interrupt Seth. He's going to come out and, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's My, what I was saying. You, you, and, then, <laughs> and then fucking True McIntyre comes out, and I just start. I'm fucking dying, dude. I'm laughing so goddamn hard. And I'm coughing my head off. Like, it is so fucking funny to me that they just kept edging you the whole night. It was, oh my God, dude. I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard at certain points. Just because it was like the most obvious pop for CM Punk at that moment. Nothing. Fucking nothing. <coughs> they milked it. They absolutely milked it, and they milked it because they knew there were tons of people that were tuning in either for the first time in a long time or the first time ever, uh, and they decided, well, here's there's two possibilities. You either open hot, and then everybody that was going to tune in for the sake of him and him alone are going to tune out immediately after he leaves or you save it make them stay for the whole show 
and then have him come out. And that's what they did. And uh, I was reading the Orton Dominic Mysterio thing uh, overran. It ran long, so we only had five minutes to talk once once you got to the ring. And it was a shortened, condensed version of what he was supposed to say. But I'm telling you, he comes out at 8.52, makes his way to the ring. They give him a mic at 8.55, and it was the most milk toast white bread fucking tame promo I've ever heard that guy cut in my life. And I was <laughs> like, I wasted two hours and 58 minutes for this. Dude, oh, I, I, was, I was so I was, angry. I was proud of my fucking comment, told you too. Yeah, I saw your comment after I got back from the bathroom because I went to the bathroom to pee. And you came, you came back with that and it's like, you know what? I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> Oh man, dude, that was, ooh boy, like I think here, I think what? Hold on, what did I say? You said, well, you did it to yourself. You're the CM Punk fan. Yeah, because there was more to it. <laughs> I was uh, just saying, oh, it was two hours and fifty two minutes. Oh, that's right. That. You said you, yeah, you said too fucking short, and I said you got edged into a weak finish. Yeah. And you said, what a letdown. I said, everything involving CM Punk usually is. And you said, I just wasted two hours and 52 minutes. And I was, you're the punk fan. You did this to yourself. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to respond to that. I'm just going to play my game and ignore. <laughs> oh, man. I was having so much fun Monday night. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's the thing, though. There's, I love wrestling, but there are so few wrestlers that I enjoy. Unless they're, you know, like Gunther and Ludwig. I really like the Imperium. Oh, Imperium. I love Imperium. But, you know, Alpha Academy. Ugh, New Day. Ugh, can't stand New Day. You just don't like anything that's kind of silly or goofy. And that, to me, I got to admit, dude, like, this is where, uh, is it Jim 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 Cornette. Cornette. This is where him and I kind of differ pretty significantly is that for me, one of the great things about wrestling for me is the idea that um, it is a silly endeavor. There is nothing about wrestling that isn't silly to me. It is, it is grown people play pretending in the ring. Now, do I respect it? Is it athletic? Absolutely. 100%. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite forms of art. But yeah. I can't pretend. I can't fucking pretend that it isn't silly. Like, it just is in nature. It's, it's, a, it's a goofy... It's a goofy art. It just is. Like, No, you're not wrong. So to take it too seriously, I just... I can't... I can't do it. Well, and, uh, I think he takes it so seriously because, I mean, he did make a living, still making a living involving that. I mean, that's kind of his income and everything. Yeah, but you I, know, okay. Made no, his, yeah. It made who he is and it made his lifestyle. So I see taking it more seriously in that regard. Sure, sure. But, but on the other end, um, <laughs> Like I, I, I see that. Uh, but on the other end, there's also more people, in my opinion, 
who are who are making their living off of it and have for centuries or for not centuries but for decades, and they don't even take it that seriously. Like, um, uh, think of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, you've listened to Broken Skulls, right? On occasion, I used to listen to it a lot. You've listened to it, right? Yeah. Um, it is very much not taken seriously. Like, it's taken seriously to an extent, but, like, he's having fun, and he's talking to people about moments in the ring, and he was one of the first wrestlers that I can remember that was like, y'all, it's a stage show. It's a drama, it's a soap opera with with action. Like, he was one of the first people I can remember saying that. I know he's not, but... But, like, think of his character. His character was very fucking serious, for the most part. There's that mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious scene where he's trying to break Taker um, during a promo with uh, Vince. Have yeah. you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Shit, that's just so goddamn funny. That's the thing, you know. They would always try to get Taker to break character in a match. And there's, like, less than 10 times that he's ever broken character in his career in a match. Yeah. Um, And, you know, um, stuff like that I find funny. Intentional comedy characters for the sake of comedy, I just... I can't get behind them. I just can't. Well, what about even back in the... uh... What are even back in the territory days? You know, you had your comedy characters like, you know, Doink the Clown existed. Hated Doink. Oh, well. Matt Bourne was very talented. I'm not going to lie, but hated the gimmick. Interesting. It's like I was telling you about Mick Foley, you know, nothing against Mick Foley. I like Mick Foley fine. I don't think he's the best ever. He's very talented, very accomplished. Loved him as Cactus Jack. Like he's same just my kind. Like, he's just my favorite. I wouldn't say he's the best ever either. But... Yeah, yeah. I loved him as Cactus Jack. I liked him as Mankind well enough. When he did the Dude Love stuff, hated it. Love dude, dude Love and uh... the Rock. Like and Mankind was his most. So the rock and funny. sock. Oh, I hated that. God, that shit was so good, dude. It's fucking perfect. Oh. Like sock yeah. coming out so fucking good. My favorite era of of mankind though was when he was uh, with uh, Al Snow. That shit was so fun. I love Al Snow, but. It, that's that's the thing. I do like some aspects of comedy wrestling because Al Snow, once he became known for head, that's what he became—a comedy wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like, motherfucker can go still. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. Sixty-year-old man, and he can still go. That's impressive. He still take a really solid bump. <clears throat> but yeah. I remember back when he was Leif Erickson. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Oh, I digress. This isn't a wrestling podcast as much as I say it's not. We talk about it more and more increasingly. 
because um, <laughs> I'm getting back into it. You know, I used to watch it all the time, and then, um, like around the time that Cena came out, I kind of stopped watching, and not because of Cena, just because I stopped watching. It just, it just... When you, when he first came out around 2002, yeah. Okay, the ruthless, the beginning of the ruthless, ruthless aggression era. I was yeah. watching quite a lot back then. I would come in and out ever so often and then like back out again. I don't know why, like nothing caught my attention, nothing kept me here. You wanna know something? I don't think that I ever told you this. When Cena first came out and he was a heel, I loved him. When Cena was a heel? Yeah. Uh, with those weird fucking blue shorts. Yeah. He didn't stay big, heel for long. No. Then he got very stale, very fast, very bland. Nah. I mean, the rest of the fans would disagree. But yeah. yeah, but wrestling fans are always wrong. <laughs> They're wrong so much. The only thing that wrestling fans do that drive me fucking, it drives me fucking nuts is a whole match could be unfucking believably good. The whole match, like take the fucking women's, um, uh, uh war games, mm-hmm. like fucking fantastic match. Like there was so much to love about it, especially yep. EOS jumping off the top of the fucking trash can on her head. Um, I mean, I thought but, that was kind of dumb, but you know, it looked cool visually. That dude was so fucking good. Um, well, Maya, to be honest, what the fuck am I doing if I'm not trying to watch wrestling for cool visual moments? I don't know. Um, the uh, the the whole match was great. It was really fucking good. But then you see like a bunch of people really wanting damage control to win. Hell, I wanted damage control to win. I don't know why they didn't. Because it sets up the storyline for Bailey to leave and set out on your own. Let me rephrase that. Yes, I understand that part. Yeah, yeah. But um, I understood when when damage control lost. Uh, But I still think you could tell that story without having the War Games loss, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they've already been hinting at it. Uh, <clears throat> but you saw a lot of people on social media and the streamers just being like super upset. And I'm like, okay, you could be upset that your team that you wanted to win didn't win. But on the other hand, why are you like, oh, the whole match is fucking shit now? Because the outcome wasn't what I wanted. It's like, it's like WrestleMania. You know, Cody Rhodes loses to fucking Roman Reigns, and everyone's like, the whole match was shit. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Just the the match was great. The match was good. The outcome sucked. You know, I love a good match. I appreciate a good match more than anything. But... Like, I, like, yeah, I mean, you can, anyone can not like the outcome, I, whatever, but to deny the whole match because the outcome wasn't what you wanted is so fucking wild to me. Yeah, but um, anyway, we should we should move on because Jesus Christ, we've been on wrestling for way too long. I don't see a time. Oh, there it is, thirty-five minutes. Um, all right, so we're going to 
review quite a bit. Um, just so everyone's aware, this is what's on the docket. We have Loki season two finale. We have Invincible episodes two, three, and four of season two. We have Scott Pilgrim takes off, which was on Netflix. The whole thing is like eight, eight uh, half hour episodes, and the Doctor Who special number one. There'll be two more of those, um, but that's what we're reviewing. So we're going to go ahead and start with Loki season two for now. All right, let me pull up my fucking. I didn't have it pulled up because I'm terrible. Um, this was titled Glorious Purpose. Uh, we see it opening up at the end of episode 11 or episode 5 the science slash fiction episode where Loki time slips to the moment before the temporal loom's explosion despite his attempts the temporal loom ultimately fails to accommodate the infinite branches Loki slips to the moment right before Sylvie kills he who remains who tells Loki that the loom's a fail safe overloading it protecting the sacred timeline by deleting the branches along with the TVA. He who remains suggests Loki kill Sylvie to save the loom, which Loki rejects. After consulting Mobius and Sylvie at different moments in time, Loki replaces Victor Timely in approaching the loom. Loki destroys the loom, magically rejuvenates the dying timelines, and rearranges them into a tree-like structure, committing himself to oversee the branches alone at the end of time. TVA now tracks He Who Remains variants across the growing branches, along with Mobius reporting one variant being stopped in an Earth 616 adjacent realm. B15 becomes one of the TVA's leaders. OB reactivates a now friendly Miss Minutes and writes a new TVA handbook with Victor Timely as co author. And one in one timeline, Timely does not receive the TVA handbook in 1863. Renslayer awakens in the void and Allegedly encounters Aloth. Mobius retires from the TVA. He and Sylvia observe Don and his children from afar. And Loki sits quietly on his throne at the end of all time, holding the branches together of the tree. It looked like Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Yeah. Yeah. it's definitely not the tree of Idrisil, but it's it's meant to definitely look like the tree of Idrisil. No, no, it's definitely meant to invoke. It's very reminiscent, but yeah, yeah. great fucking finale. And it was yeah. just like that rundown. He tries for seemingly years, uh, an undisclosed amount of years, but it's like it's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. It was funny because he said to Obi at the beginning of the episode, he's like, how long would it take me to learn quantum physics, theoretical equations, this, 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 this. And uh, Obi was like, a hundred years or something like that. So it's like, you know, he went through a long fucking process and get so close each time. And this is all right, let's start again and go back and do it and go back and do it and then all the fucking confrontations that he was having with he who remains in sylvie at the end of fucking time uh the number of times that they had that conversation 
That was wild. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, there was a lot to love about this episode. A lot of pe- I saw a lot of people complaining that it felt like the whole season didn't matter if that was the end. And I go, Loki had to learn that. Loki had to get to that point. There was no, like, that's the story of Loki is about the character Loki. Like, and everything that happened did matter. Enough, and especially in the final episode, like he spent centuries learning how to uh, create the loom and all that kind of shit because that's how long it was going to take to learn. And which, by the way, that was one of the funniest fucking cards I've ever seen in a goddamn show. Just centuries later, I was like, "That's fucking funny." Um, uh, but uh, yeah, he had to. Not only grows a character, he had to understand why it was something that needed to be done, you know. <clears throat> and uh, I think that makes it so much fun when watching a character like Loki. You know, he goes from a character who's meant to be the god of mischief, he's meant to be a villain. Like, the last thing he did in his timeline was try to defeat the Avengers. And now he's the god of stories. But you just don't become one and then the other that quickly. You, there's no. there's a there's a progression. You have to grow as a character. That's what makes the entire series so great. Not just this season, not just this episode. You have to grow as a person to do the right thing. And I think that's, if there's a message to take away from Loki, it's that. You're not perfect. You will never be perfect. But you'll definitely be, you'll be better than you were last time. You'll be better than you were yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's, there's the fucking, Episode gets an A plus from me. The whole series gets a fucking A plus. I agree and I echo that. I think it was well deserved, uh, well written. Holy shit! It's you know, you had to pay attention to keep up with a lot of things. Uh, this is one of the few series that you do have to pay absolute attention to, uh, and. You know, shout out to Screen Crush for their excellent fucking recap videos. Oh. Because <laughs> Misty had a very difficult time trying to watch the episodes along with me. But she would always want to watch the Screen Crush episodes and keep up. Uh, and she watched the finale with me. <clears throat> she didn't have many comments about it, but I think she enjoyed it. <clears throat> I see a lot of people saying, like, it's really hard to keep up with everything Marvel because, like, they come out with so much so quickly. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember what happened last time or whatever. And I'm like, <clears throat> I don't have that problem. I really, really don't. But I'm like, there are great fucking recap videos on YouTube, especially through Screen Crush. Yeah, yeah. And oddly enough, Loki is what made them. Uh, that channel didn't get really? popular until 
the first Loki series. And that's why they love the Loki show so much. Yeah. Interesting. Recommend them. It's rare for me to get a recommendation like that, but that's definitely a YouTube channel everybody should check out. In addition oh, for to sure. ours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched Loki yet, I definitely would. I, I think the thing about Marvel, which is really funny to me, is that I'm such a fucking comic book nerd or superhero nerd, however you put that, that like watching, watching, uh, um, anything related to Marvel is something I'm going to do. You know, uh, I keep up with all of it. I get very confused when people say like it's too much. Uh, there's you know this fatigue, and I just don't get it. Like I don't, I genuinely don't understand. Like to me, let's say we get five Marvel projects in the year, in a whole year. Let's say it's three movies and two TV shows. Okay. How is that too much content? You know, I hate to pull the fucking, um, uh, what's his name? Scors- yeah, Scorsese comment, but it's like, because when he, when he came out with his three and a half hour movie, people were just like, that's too long, that's too much. And he's like, the fuck are you talking about? You binge eight hours of a fucking show. Now, the difference, the, the big difference there is you can pause, the comfort you of can your- get up, you've got the comforts of home. Right. Which is why I'll watch um, the Flower Moon movie. I can't remember the fuck full name of it. Uh, the, under the flowers, under, under the killing moon, flowers under the killing moon. Killing, killing of the flower moon. Um, killers of the flower moon. Killers of the flower moon. Ha ha. Anyway, I'll watch that movie when it comes to streaming because it is Did too long for me to watch Native the American for butt stuff. I didn't say that. No, somebody else made that joke. Oh. <laughs> I think it was like I found it online. Um, but uh, my point is, is that like, I don't expect everybody to go to the theater to see every single Marvel movie. I really don't. But yeah, to sit there and be like, well, I have Disney Plus, which allows me to watch all the shows regardless. And they don't release things in a in conjunction to where like, If it comes out in theaters and then three or four months later comes to streaming, that anything between that four months you had to have watched between or something like that. Like, and and, and that's the thing. Disney Plus has its own like section called Marvel Legends, where it's these five fucking minute videos that recap a character. It's just so weird to me that people are like, it's just too much content. I'm like, it's like when Solo came out, it was like too much Star Wars back to back. It was five months apart. The fuck are you doing? Where that's too much. I don't. It's wild to me that people say shit like that. I'm like, I don't. I'm. I think you're viewing it as quantity. So what it is is people fucking get overloaded. They don't pay attention. uh, No, I've gathered that. I've. You're right. I've absolutely gathered that. It's just. It's still. It's like you fucking loved the MCU prior to, like in the Endgame era, the the Infinity Saga. Yeah, you would you couldn't wait for the next thing. You were pissed. You had to wait a whole year for Endgame. Mm-hmm. 
and now you're on the opposite end. Or the other aspect that drives me fucking nuts is that these people act like everything that came out of the Infinity Saga was gold. Yeah. I'm like, the fuck it was. Oh, just like, do I believe that Kevin Feige needs to dial it back a bit? Yes. Because I think that's where part of the problem is coming is that not everything is having a long enough time to cook. Yeah. It's not the amount of time in between releases. It's the amount of time spent in production. Yeah, that I think that is a huge issue. Like, I thought She-Hulk was fine. I thought it was a fine show. It perfectly encapsulated what the comic is to me. Um, but due to its visual effects being kind of shitty, in you know, in comparison to what it could have been, um, on top of uh, it not really being explained what kind of character it was outside of, um, uh. Like, I'll put it this way. Going into She-Hulk when I was a kid, I knew it was a silly comic. I knew it wasn't going to be like Hulk. And I loved it for what it was. But so many people went into She-Hulk not knowing what it was going to be. And it put them off really bad. I had another friend. He he was, uh, he was He's really into Marvel, too. And he starts watching... Uh, Miss Marvel. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, I can't get into it. Like, I just can't relate to the character. I'm having a really hard time with that. I said, then stop watching it. Stop watching it. Genuinely speaking. If there was a comic that I read that I didn't, I wasn't into, I'd move on to the next thing. Yeah. Because it's, it's not that fucking important that you know everything about that character. It really fucking isn't. Like, the most I would do is look up a video, look up a short explanation, or contact me, and I can tell you what kind of character it is. So that way, when the Marvels comes out, you'll you'll know. But even then, I've told people this: there are so many fucking characters that show up in Civil War or Rain or uh, um, Dark Rain. Those big events in the comic books that um, I didn't know. I just didn't know who they were. Yeah. Like, in the comic book for Civil War, there's a huge fight that happens. Hank Pym basically uses DNA from Thor to create his own Thorbot, is how I'm going to say it. Like, and this Thorbot is as strong as Thor. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor flies through Goliath's heart. Do you know who Goliath is? Because I fucking didn't when reading that. Uh, John, um... Shit. Well, I know who he is now, Black, but Black when guy. I... Yeah, when I read it, I didn't know who Goliath was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and did it affect my enjoyment of the book? God, no. Because I understood what a mutant is. I understood that his power was to get big that's all you gotta have. So if you don't want to watch these individual stories as individual movies, don't. But like, if you're going into something else regarding the MCU, you should probably know to a certain degree elements that happened in Marvels. Like, I won't say anything because it hasn't come to 
Disney Plus yet. But there's an end credit scene that is, or mid credit, I should say, that the end credit is, you hear goose meowing. That's it. After the mid credit scene, leave. Um, uh, but um, that mid credit scene is going to be important, quite important, if I'm being honest. Uh, and I guess the end of the movie to that degree, but um, yeah, that shit that shit matters when it when it, when you're talking about certain aspects. But in the in the long run, it doesn't matter. And I just it's that's what's so fascinating to a degree for me right now when it comes to Marvel and people watching it is there's this lack of it's just lack of understanding that so many people were introduced to these characters via the MCU. So they think immediately, well, if that's the case, then I have to play or not play, but I have to, I have to run with this mentality in order to enjoy it. I have to, I can't miss a fucking thing. I have to watch everything. And I gotta be like, the current Goliath is Tom, not John, but Tom Foster. Oh, But yeah, he I is, just uh, he is the nephew, the nephew of a John Foster. Gotcha. Well, all right. So, uh, or Bill Foster. I've been talking too long about that. My rant's over. Yeah, just yeah. People chill and Loki, just fucking enjoy Loki good. Check it out. Don't be so critical. Yes. Check, 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 check it out. Um, all right, so what's the next thing on our list here? Let me, let me pull up my thing. We got let's do Scott Invincible. Pilgrim, Invincible. You just got Pilgrim. What do you want to do first? Either or. I've got them both pulled up. Let's do, let's do Scott Pilgrim. As I want to hear your opinion on this because I, I we my talked a little bit. Was, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Here's the premise. It's 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 an anime series. And it's set in Toronto, Canada, serving as an alternate retelling of the original graphic novel series and movies. Uh, Like in the original series, Scott Pilgrim is a bassist in an indie band, Sex Bob-Om. He falls in love with Ramona Flowers, a mysterious delivery girl, and he attracts the attention of Ramona's seven evil exes. But things take an unexpected turn when Scott loses the battle against Matthew Patel, the first evil ex, and is seemingly killed. And it changes the trajectory trajectory of everyone's lives, including those of Ramona's evil exes, and it changes drastically. As a result, Ramona learns that Scott may still be alive and investigates his disappearance. So, I messaged you, because it took you a while to finish watching it because of uh, other plans, and you were watching it with your daughter. Yeah, um, yeah. We Madison and I watched a lot of it together. We didn't finish it together, but you know. Oh, okay. I, I was I, like, I've got to get this watched, and she says, "Well, I finished it this morning." I was like, "Why didn't you just come down and we watch it together, you jackass?" But so I fucking loved it. I loved this show. I thought it was a lot of fun and, a, and a, an interesting uh, take, if you will. Um. But the other part that I thought was really cool was like, and I, I keep calling it this. So I've read the original comic. I've watched the movie. I've played the game. Like every everything that could be Scott Pilgrim, I've, I've watched and absorbed. Um, 
what I like to dub this show is Brian Lee O'Malley got therapy. That's what I'm calling this show. Because think about what Scott Pilgrim is, right? It's it's a very toxic kind of uh, attitude towards relationships. You know, Brian Lee O'Malley, when he wrote the comic, it was his experience of growing up in Toronto and all the people he was around when he was in that band. Scott Pilgrim is him. He said it thousands of fucking times. And if we're being honest, Scott Pilgrim is not a good character. No, no. I mean, he's a scumbag. Yeah, and and Ramona, he's a lovable scumbag. <laughs> sure, I mean, all the, all the characters are lovable, but yeah. like Ra- Ramona is also kind of a piece of shit because she, you know, she never allowed her exes to have that closure. <clears throat> and um, uh, there's a lot of that stuff. There's a lot of that kind of uh, sensibility to the original comic to the movie, and uh, um. It's never addressed in the original story. And this to me was, was not only Brian doing that, but like people, the writers being like, let's, what if Scott was just gone? I think that's how it started. Like, what if Scott lost that first fight with Matthew Patel? What would have happened? It's almost like a what if situation. I, this show, by the way, is a sequel to me. I think I, I think I addressed that to you. It is straight up a sequel to me. Because it's not like the other story didn't happen. It happened in an alternate timeline. That's yeah. who old Scott is. Yeah, yeah. But what what about it did you not like? Pretty much everything. The tone, the feel. You know, it, early on, I was just like, okay, okay, I'm getting into this. And then it just... From the moment it took a left turn, I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into the story. I couldn't get emotionally invested. I'm just like, and I'm treating it as a separate piece of media from the comic. I'm treating it as a separate piece of media from the movie, but it didn't, it just didn't grab me and I couldn't get into it. I just ended up like, blah, everybody's getting all these happy, like, Oh well, this happened this way, and now my life is better, and I'm happy, and we've made up, and kissy, kissy, hug, hug. Everybody lives happy ever after. Why does fuck that bother happy you? Ever, because fuck happy ever after. Everybody doesn't get happy ever after. I don't know. I just it's well. That's. Uh... It's such a bizarre kind of take to me because it's it's a bizarre take, especially from somebody who's like, "Fuck this! Everybody deserves healthcare as a right," and right, you know, <laughs> you know, when it comes to humanity, I believe everybody deserves housing, everybody deserves healthcare, etc. But when it comes to storytelling, I'm like, "Fuck happy ever after," you know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <clears throat> It's that that's why that's why when you when you said that I was like I was like what the fuck like I kind of understand like again it goes to the idea of like I, I've seen a lot of people not really love it because of a myriad of reasons um, and that's fine but you were just like like your opinion of like not everyone and everyone in the story doesn't deserve a fucking happy ending I'm like whoa 
That's the part that I was like, I was kind of taken aback by. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's a weird hot take. Uh, it's not everybody's going to have it. You know. I've seen no one have it except for you. That's I haven't seen I'm everyone's awesome. opinion, but like. That's why I'm awesome. Because I've got unique opinions. <laughs> um, yeah, I just that's that's wild to me that you hated it. Yeah, Madison, she adored it. She loved it, and I was just like, I'm "Glad you liked it." I fucking loved it. Like, I'm giving the show a solid A. I think that it it gets a knock on a point just because it it did sort of mislead the audience into what the show was going to be prior to it coming out. Like mm-hmm. no one really, no one really knew that it was going to be a, um, a sequel of sorts, an alternate timeline deviation. Nobody knew that. Um, and I could see people kind of being upset about that in general. That's fine. Um, I don't ultimately give a shit. I loved that. I was that my expectations were subverted. I loved that my, perception of what it was supposed to be was completely different than what it became. I love that shit. So I, I, I'm, I'm very much in the camp of it's good. Uh, Cause I've seen the original story. I, I've read it. I've watched it. I played it. Why do I have to watch it in anime form? You know? Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's why I loved it so much was I was like, Oh my God, I got to see where this goes. Cause I was thoroughly confused in like episode two and three. I was like, is Scott dead? This is wild. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, I'll I give was... it, honestly, for as much as I dislike it, I'll give it a B minus. What? what Maya, what? Just because I didn't like it doesn't mean it wasn't good. You were killing me over here. I can dislike good things. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, it was misleading. It did mislead the audience into what they <coughs> expected it to be. Uh, and so it does deserve that point knock, like you were saying. But And the animation was great. The animation looked just like the original comic. The voice acting was great. The voice acting was the original actors in the original roles just reprising. Well, there's, I thought that was awesome. There's so much about this show that is really cool, like the concept, because um, a lot of the people that like worked on the movie and a lot of people that worked on the game were here for this with Brian O'Malley, who was the solo person who worked on the comic. Um, and Brian O'Malley was there and he was one of the head writers of this anime. Like it had the perfect amalgamation of people to make it. But I think, you know, everyone had the right mindset that, you know, it can't be the same story for a third or fourth. So, anyway, sorry, you're putting, I, I kind of cut you off there. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just out of the four pieces of Scott Pilgrim Media now, the comics, the original movie, the game, the anime, the anime I enjoy the least. I just, it's just, yeah. I, I get that there are good things 
but then again, like I said, I don't like the whole direction that it took in the execution. That's not to say that it's not worth checking out. It's not good. If you're a Scott Pilgrim fan, definitely check it out. I think you should. And make up your own mind. You know, like I said, my daughter loved it. Me, not so much. Uh, you loved it. Me, not so much. <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the fact that the concept is good. I just didn't care for the execution. Gotcha. I mean, I don't agree, obviously, but I get you. Yeah, and that's you know, fine. It is what it is. Um. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on. Let's move on to Invincible season two, episode three, two, three, and four. Yeah, we got three episodes of Invincible. And I'll just run down each one. Uh, you know, and then we'll discuss it. Uh, episode two is called In About Six Hours I'll Lose My Virginity to a Fish. <laughs> and this is Mark's high school graduation. Uh, during the graduation, Mark's fighting and defeats Doc Seismic and his Magmanites. Uh, he barely makes graduation, walks, gets his diploma, he's happy, blah, blah, blah. Over the summer, tension grows between him and Debbie after she realizes that he is only continuing his work as Invincible and working for a Cecil to basically remove the stain on Nolan's legacy. Uh, she confronts Cecil, during which she learns Donald is alive and later has a breakdown over continuous reminders of Nolan. After converting a vacant uh, lot into a park, Eve argues with her father, believing he can't accept that she can help people with her powers. However, the park collapses due to being built on unstable ground, though no casualties were sustained. The stowaway Martian, who had taken the place of astronaut Russ Livingston, became inspired by original Guardian member Martian Man to become the superhero Shapesmith and join the current Guardians. After encountering and, encountering and defeating Darkwing 2, Cecil signs Mark to appease the Atlanteans for original Guardian member Aquarius' death. Amidst the trial by combat, Mark battles a kaiju but is injured by its roar. Nonetheless, he saves the Atlanteans from it against Cecil's orders. Angstrom travels to an alternate Earth where Mark was captured by the GDA to gain information on how to defeat his own. His own what? Oh, okay. Anyway, <clears throat> that's episode two. Episode three, this missive, this machination, uh, begins in flashbacks. Alan's homeworld of utopia was attacked by the Viltrumites, leading his people to join the coalition to stop them and breeding him to become the strongest uh, you know but in the present Alan discusses his findings with, uh, from Earth with the coalition explaining that Mark is only affiliated with Viltrum and that Nolan left Earth over several members skepticism, the coalition leader Thaddeus supports Alan, believing they possess an advantage before secretly taking, tasking him with rooting out a Viltramite mole within their ranks. 
after Alan is attacked by three Viltrumites demanding information on, on Mark, Earth, and Nolan. However, Thaddeus secretly sabotages his recovery. Currently, Mark attends college and meets a shape-shifting insectoid from the planet Thraxo who claims his people are in danger. Upon arriving, Mark is unexpectedly reunited with Nolan, who become, has become Thraxo's ruler. Meanwhile, Debbie's, so Debbie joins a support group for superhero spouses only to be accosted by original Guardian member Gringo Squidward Theo for being previously married to Omni-Man and living in shame. Saying you should have known who he was. Uh, you didn't see it. So this is just as much on you. Making just feel like shit. In episode four, it's been a while. Uh, we see flashbacks of... Nolan uh, abandoning Earth immediately after fighting Mark. Uh, he's just flying aimlessly through space. He's contemplating suicide at a black hole, and instead he saves a Thraxian ship being pulled into it, and as a result was made their ruler. In the present, his lingering Mark's lingering anger towards Nolan is worsened when he learns of Nolan's new wife, Andressa, and their child. Understanding his son's feelings, no one nevertheless asked for his help in protecting Thraxa, but three Viltramount soldiers arrive. Mark takes Andress and her son to safety and learns from her that no one truly regretted his actions and does love him. The Graysons defeat the soldiers but are grievously wounded. No one is subsequently captured and taken back to Viltrum to be executed while General Craig uh tasks mark with Nolan's original mission of preparing earth from their invasion or else they will destroy it meanwhile debbie accepts that her relationship with Nolan was a lie as such she stops accepting his income through cecil throws out his books elsewhere donald discovers evidence of his death conflicted confused he tries to stab himself only learn to become he only to find that he has become invulnerable so yeah, a lot of stuff happens, and this is all we're going to get until February. Yeah, uh, these four episodes. Uh, we talked about three of them here, uh, and then it'll wrap up. I, I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, a lot went on, and you know they're episodic, but at the same time they do tie into the overall plot. Um, well, yeah, like so. A lot of stuff will come back. Um, Nolan, you, I doubt you'll see Nolan in the second half of, you might, you might, you fucking, you might. Um, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that I don't. Here's my problem. Talking about the show is rough because I've read the entire comic. And I don't want to say too much to spoil what happens next in the comic. Or from the comic, because the show is pretty accurate to the comic. Pretty fucking accurate. Unlike other Walkman, Robert Kirkman uh, comics and their adaptations. Ac- yes, 100%. Like, it's, yes. Um, it's also, like, well, that's the other part that's weird to me, is that, like, because it's so accurate to the comic, there are things that I didn't think that they would have or they would change. Like, Seance dog, that's that is directly from the comic, like one hundred percent. Like there is no change at all. 
Now, things happened a little quicker than I remember them happening in the comic, like Alan getting his ass handed to him. Yeah. Uh, but, um, see, there's a lot of things I've told my dad about Viltrumites, how their biology works, about the Thraxians, about what's coming next, about other Viltrumites. Like, I've told him so much. And I have to be careful here. I really do. And not because I'm like, hey, this is a major spoiler. But when you're watching or reading the comic, these things become fucking cool. Like, they're shockers. They're like, you're like, what? I didn't want to tell anybody that Mark meets his dad again. I didn't want to fucking tell anybody that. And there were so many people that were shocked. They were like, Nolan's just there? Like, what the fuck? And I was like, yee, yee. So. Not only have, there, like, but ruling there. <laughs> well, I think they say it in the episode, but the reason that he's their, their leader is because they, uh, whoever's the because oldest he is the said, Oh, they didn't say that. Oh, I thought they did. Yeah, that, it doesn't matter now. Um, but yeah, whoever's it's whoever's oldest is the leader of Thraxia. So they go through a lot of leaders then because it's established that their life cycle is one human year. Yeah. It's nine months in the comic, which I thought was really funny that they changed it to one year for the show. Not that it matters. But um <coughs> Yeah. Well there's so, so take that into consideration. You have a Viltrumite who can live for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, and you have a Thraxian whose lifespan is a year. Yeah. And they had a kid. They had a kid. So what happens next with that? Yeah. I know, and I can't fucking say anything. <laughs> uh there's, dude, there's so much. There's so much. It's crazy. Like, I have a few ideas of what's going to happen next in the next four episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it could be wrong. I won't say too much. Now, if you look it up, that's on you. But... Either one or two things is going to happen. The Angstrom Levi story is going to finish. Um, or Conquest is going to show up. Or both. We could have both in the next part. Conquest being a Viltrumite, just as so you know. Okay. okay. Conquest, is, Conquest is a cool fucking, a rad looking Viltrumite, by the way, so... No, Angstrom Levy, that's the uh, scientist from the beginning. Yes. Uh, Yeah, he's the one that can go through multiple realities. Yeah. And I did like the little bits we got with the fucking, uh, uh, the Marauders, or the Maulers. Maulers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Mauler twins. I do too. You know what's really funny is they're made... I don't want to say cooler, but definitely there's there's a there's a betterness to them. 
with this uh, show versus the comic. Like in the comic, they were there as a as a a way to push things forward. There wasn't a whole lot of depth to them. This whole like who's a clone, who's not a clone, is not a big aspect of the comic. Mm-hmm. But they made it a bigger aspect of the show, and I really like that. Yeah, I mean, A plus animations on fucking point. The fucking uh, the stories are, are are perfectly fucking paced. Like one of the big aspects you have to put into play when it comes to doing an adaptation, especially from a comic book or a book, is you have to make the fucking um, the story needs to flow. The yeah, I was gonna say the uh, uh, pacing has to be right. Because you choose the pacing for the comic when you're reading it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it depends on how fast you read. It depends on what part of it you want to read. So, that is a huge and aspect, it, is pacing. A lot of it depends upon your interpretation of, you know, how long it takes to. Yeah. But a lot of that is important. A lot of that comes into play. And, uh, stretching a little bit and um, I think this show fucking nails it it nails that pacing perfectly yeah yeah and I'm, and I find myself at, at the end I'm like oh shit that's it I find yeah. myself saying that every time yeah it's, it's it's a shame that like I don't know what Amazon could do to uh, help with this production crew, or if this is just the speed in which they, you know, they have they make episodes. I don't know what's going on, but I'd like them to have more frequency. Oh, I, I, I like the thing about animation. People have to understand is it takes time. It takes a oh, lot yeah. of fucking time, and one of the problems that comes from trying to do trying to do anything with like expediency or uh, um, trying to find the right word here Um, or a sense of that like it, it needs to be I don't want the show to be rushed and I definitely don't want it to suffer because it's being rushed. I would much prefer it to have the cooking time and be the better product that I know that it can be. The yeah. problem is, is that when, when you do something like that, you, you risk the chance of it being like people forgotten about it, right? Like that's, that's that, that weird level right there. As you go, are people going to be that into it where they're willing to wait two years for four episodes or is it not enough? And you're not making it so it's fast enough, you know? So that, there's that stuff to think about, and that's what I'm concerned with, is like, is it enough for this show to have its finale this, the, where the comic ended as well? So that's what I was trying to say. My brain was just like, yeah, you ain't finding it right now. But um, what grade did you give it, all the episodes? Uh, give it a solid A. Um, very entertaining all around. Um, 
really enjoying that. Uh, the really enjoying the lore. Um, the Guardians, you know, they've kind of taken a back seat, but they're still interesting when they do appear. Especially Rex Bloater. He's just such a crass douchebag. Oh, he cracks me up. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where everything's going with them, especially with the addition of Shapesmith. Uh, you know, the whole, uh, the whole Mark Nolan Viltrumite, you know, like, oh, you won your fight, you deserve to live, you're tasked with this mission now, and if you don't do it, we're going to kill every fucking body, so go do it. You know, I'm interested to see the outcome of this, the fallout from this, what happens. Uh, you know, uh, I really like the stories that they're telling. And I'm looking forward to more in February. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, from from a, from a somebody who read the comic, and that's what's funny too, because I didn't read the comic until after I watched the first season. Mm-hmm. I always knew of the comic because, like, if you talk to comic book people, they're just like, offshoot superhero stuff, invincible. And I'm yes. Like, oh. So I always knew of it, but I never read it. And then I, dude, the story is so good. But, um, that's an A plus for me. It's an A plus. I don't know why I was thinking about it. It's an A plus. All right, well, let's go and move on to our last thing, which we added just before we recorded. Um, yeah. The first of three Doctor Who specials after the 13th Doctor. Yes. This is called The Star Beast. Ooh, pardon me. Uh, this picks up immediately after the 13th Doctor's regeneration into the 14th Doctor, who has the face of the 10th Doctor. And the memories of the 10th Doctor. Of course, you know, the Doctor always retains their memories from each regeneration. Uh, But following his regeneration, the 14th Doctor lands at Camden Market in London, where he runs into Donna Noble. But she does not remember him or recognize him. He also meets Donna's teenage uh, transgender daughter, Rose, and husband, Sean Temple. And apparently, crashing spaceship streaks in across the sky, noticed by all except Donna, and Sean drives the doctor to its landing site in North London. Uh, a, a nice little bit with a psychic paper. Uh, you know, he was showing a psychic paper to no, uh, to, no one to Sean, you know, where Sean's an Uber driver, and he's like, can you get me here? He's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm the Minister of Transportation. He's like, it says here you're the Ministress. Oh, yeah. And he slaps he slaps the psychic paper on the window of the fucking car. He's like, catch up. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a nice little nod, you know, it's a nice nod that the previous Doctor for the three years of the three series before the special come out was Jodie Whittaker's female doctor, which was, she was great. Just the series wasn't as good. I'll watch it. I have no fucking clue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Meeting with the unit scientist Shirley Ann Bingham, 
who is wheelchair bound. The doctor explains his confusion as to why he resembles his 10th incarnation and his re-entry in Adonis' life, believing that the two events are, connect- two events are connected. Shirley sends a unit squad to investigate the spaceship only to be con- for them to be controlled by a blue entity. A friend of Rose tells her at a, uh, tells her of an escape pod from the ship landing near her home, and soon afterwards she encounters a small furry creature called the Meep. Rose hides the Meep in a shed where she discovers homemade stuffed toys that she makes uh, you know, for her online business, but Donna discovers it just as the doctor arrives at her house and is confronted by an ang- angry Sylvia. Sean's return home defuses the situation, and together they all learn of the Meep's history. It states it has two hearts, like the Doctor, and claims that the Worth, the Worth warriors are hunting it for its fur. During a unit squad and the Worth's arrival, a fight breaks out between them, and the Doctor gets the Meep and Donna's family out, but realizes that the Worth are not using lethal force. He holds an emergency trial with the Meep and two Rorths, the latter revealing that the Meep's homeworld was afflicted by a sun that turned its entire species into vicious beings and that the Meep is the last of its kind, attempting to rule the universe. The Meep drops its kindly facade, kills the Rorths, and reveals that the possessed unit soldiers are under its control and also threatens to kill the Doctor and Donna's family, but he suggests that there being two two-hearted aliens in London at once is part of the Worth plan, so the Meep accepts his suggestion, the Doctor's suggestion, that they all be taken hostage instead. Uh, the Meep plans to escape Earth with its new soldiers at the cost of incinerating London. The Doctor and Donna's family are rescued by Agent Shirley, the Doctor and Donna, the latter of whom is starting to remember her past, uh, set off to stop the Meep. Trapped within the spaceship and running out of time, the Doctor is forced to reawaken Donna's memories, and the two manage to shut down the Meep's ship. To the Doctor's surprise, she does not die because of Rose's birth. Donna had passed down part of the Metacrisis into her, awakening the memories of the Doctor within Rose, whose shed and the stuffed toys were unconscious imitations of the TARDIS and aliens that her mother had encountered with the Doctor. The Meeps captured by the Worths, while Donna and Rose expel the rest of the Metacrisis from their bodies. Before being taken away, the Meep gives a cryptic warning about the boss being interested in the Doctor. The Doctor suggests Donna join him one last trip to visit uh, Wilfred Mott. However, Donna accidentally spills coffee on the TARDIS console, causing it to go haywire and begin to dematerialize. The doctor remarks that the TARDIS could be taking them anywhere in time and space. A lot of fucking fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun. Russell T. Davies was my favorite showrunner. Yeah, he's the one that brought it back from, like, Yeah. In fact, here's, here's an interesting fact about me. I never watched old episodes of Doctor Who when it was on PBS when I was growing up. I never, you know, I would see it from time to time flipping through channels, but I would never watch it. I, I was, was like, I knew of it. I knew of Doctor Who, but I was just like, God, I don't want to watch that old show. It's been on since the 60s. You know, I'm not into that. And then a few friends said, no, you really should check out Doctor Who. Um, I started watching after 
they did the 50th anniversary special with Matt Smith and David Tennant. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't start watching until after that. So I watched, and Misty and I, we started with the ninth doctor, Christopher Eccleston, and watched all through the Eccleston years, the Tennant years, the Matt Smith years, you know. So, and, then, and then we were caught up, and it's like, okay, well, you know, Capaldi, Capaldi's coming out soon. So, you know, what were you going to ask? I wasn't going to ask anything. I was going to, I was going to throw in my like history with it as well because it ain't that different than yours. Um, so I started watching after Eccleston season ended, before Tenet mm. came out. Um, and the reason was because people were talking about it. Like, they were just like, Doctor Who's back, Doctor Who's back, yada, yada, yada. And at that time, I didn't really have a way to access it. So I was pirating it. And then what I would do is I would take those episodes, <coughs> put them on a flash drive, and let friends borrow them. Gotcha. Let my brother borrow them and whatnot. And then I got my mom into it. Um, but yeah, I don't remember who was talking about it. Because it was a, it was like a long time Who fan, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to remember what year. Well, Eccleston was a 2008 2009, if I'm not mistaken. That's what it was. That's what it was. So when I went to Comic Con in 2008, because I knew it had to do with Comic Con, I was like, I fucking knew it had to do with Comic Con. Um, I was hanging out with. Uh, this girl named Sarah. So we had, a, we had a mutual friend named um, Angelito, which we all just called Lito. And I hung out with Lito all the time before, you know, like in Sacramento and whatnot. And uh, we became good friends. And and then outside of him, uh, my buddy Mike and I were like, let's go to Comic-Con. So we planned a trip, went to Comic-Con in 2008. It was fucking magical. Um, but on the third day there, because it's a four-day convention, on the third day there... I run into fucking Lido. And I'm just like, the fuck? What are you doing here? How'd you get here? Why didn't we fucking talk about this? And he's hanging out with a girl named um, Sarah. Well, Sarah and I start, you know, hitting it off. Hanging out. And we saw some Doctor Who stuff there. And she was like, oh, I love Doctor Who. I watch it with my dad all the time. But well, she used to watch all the 60s stuff with her dad. Um... She's like, our favorite doctor is number four. And I'm like, I don't understand what the fuck that means. Uh, and she's like, you should watch it. It just came back. It has a new doctor and everything. And I was like, well, if there's a girl that I'm interested telling me to watch something, guess what the fuck I'm going to do? Hmm. Um, Check it out so you have something to talk to her about? More or less, yeah. I mean, I also watched fucking True Blood because of that. That show sucks ball sacks. But, uh, I love vampires in the South with all their drama. Uh uh, again, I don't know if you watch True Blood, but don't. I've never seen it, but you know I don't need to watch vampires for drama in the South. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's why that's why we started watching. That's why I started watching it. <coughs> <coughs> and then, like when he regenerates, I was confused. I was like, "What the fuck? <coughs> fuck me." And then I got everyone else around me into it. Because uh, whatever was between Sarah and I never really happened. Never really went anywhere. We remained friends. We're still friends to this day. But um, 
but yeah, that's that's why that happened. And then, uh, like, I just got really fucking into it. I was like, this, this is fucking great. But I honestly believe in my heart of hearts, like, the thing that really propelled Doctor Who into this next stage of fandom, if you will, in this next stage of, of popularity is Tenet. Oh, he is such a charismatic fucking doctor. This is my favorite doctor. Um, because I love Eccleston. Don't get me wrong, love Eccleston. I thought Eccleston and, was great. I liked Eccleston better than Matt Smith. Yeah, I agree. I love Matt Smith. I think he's a great doctor. Um, not the world's biggest fan of of uh, the old man. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Capaldi. Capaldi. Thank you. Oh no, um, I, I love him. I love him, man. Just almost as much as, almost as much as Tenet, but Tenet, you know, to me is the best. Capaldi is right behind him, even at his heels. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about Doctor Who, is that because the Doctor himself, like, people complain about other stories having Deus Ex Machinas, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that's all Doctor Who is is a series of Deus Ex Machinas, but done in a very clever way, or at least it can be clever. There's a lot of art here that's not. But um, <clears throat> um, what makes the Doctor so much fun is at any given point in time, it'll be a different series of characters. Mm-hmm. It'll become a different show. Mm-hmm. What we experience with Tenet is not what we experience with Matt Smith, is not what we experience with Capaldi, and I assume is not what we experience with um, Whitaker. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but that's what makes Doctor Who so fun and refreshing is that it can go on indefinitely. As long as there are fan, as a fan base willing to watch Doctor Who, it'll never end. Exactly. Because there was a rule. There was a rule with Doctor Who that you couldn't he couldn't ge- regenerate more than 12 times. 13. Was it 13? I think it was 13. I thought it was 12. It doesn't matter. There it was a limit is my point. Yeah, there was a limit on his regenerations, and they rewrote the rule during the Matt Smith years. Yeah, they gave him more regenerations. They gave him, I think, infinite regenerations. They just rewrote it. They were just like, fuck it. It's our thing. Why the fuck not? And it's sci-fi. You can do whatever the fuck you want with Doctor Who. Like, there's a, there's an episode that's one of my favorites with Matt Smith when they ask him, how does, like, the time travel work? And he's like, it's not a straight line. It's more of, like, a wibbly-wobbly, like, Nice David Wibbly wobbly tommy wimey ball of did, did I say I thought I said Tenet. No, you said Matt Smith. Motherfucker. It was, it was Tenet. Tenet was in my head because it's the it's the Shakespeare episode. Like I know exactly where he's standing and what he's standing. He's like in a fucking old 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 um uh not English. Is it English house? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it was the Shakespeare episode. Um Okay. Because like that to me was something that was so important with how to do like fun sci-fi that can be heady if you want it to, but it also can just be fun and not heady. And that's what Doctor Doctor Who excels in. The reason I bring this up, Maya, is because this episode exemplifies that. It goes, hey, we set rules in the past that the Doctor would never have the same face twice, that, hey, Donna Noble cannot remember uh the doctor or see his face or she'll fucking die oops 
And we used very specific wording intentionally, so that way we could potentially come back to this. They rewrote like four or five fucking things in this when this one special. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. I fucking love it. You cannot go wrong with Doctor Who. No, you can't. As much as people will say that you can, you really no, can't. The fucking bigots out there are like, I can't believe there's trans people and black people in my Doctor Who now. And I'm like, go fuck off. I don't know. Nobody wants you in the fucking fandom anyway. Um, I did miss that she was trans, by the way, because my mom texted me. I told I you she, she was. <laughs> I thought she was just non-binary. I was like, all right, whatever. And I thought that was wonderfully well done. And how'd they make it a plot point? Yeah. A, sci- a sci-fi plot point. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's there's there's even a conversation, a brief conversation of um when uh, they're talking to the meep before we realize that the meep is evil, and Tenet calls the meep a he, to which did she just assume is, his pronouns? Yeah, oh. I, I don't think she, I don't think that's or exactly not, what she said, but it was yeah, something similar. Just, to that. Did you just assume uh, pronoun usage? Yeah, he was like, he was like, and, and instead of like. Like, the doctor basically showed what everyone should do in that scenario, which is yes. go, oh, my bad. Yep, you're correct. My bad. Let me fix that. And then ask the meep, what are, what's the preferred pronoun? And the preferred pronoun was meep. It the wasn't even article. Article. The so definite good. article. And always the meep. No, it's like I, I immediately ran to my mom's room and I was like, you like Tenet, right? She's like, yeah, it's my favorite doctor. I was like, watch it. Because like, has she, I, again. Has she watched it I don't think so, but I'll try to get her to watch it again. I like you and I talked because I'm, I'm behind. I'm four seasons behind on Doctor Who. And because um, life gets in the way. And uh, also, again, wasn't a big fan of Capaldi season one. So I kind of fell no, off. No, season one, it was tough. He was still trying to find his way. Season two was good. Season three with Capaldi was incredible. I'm on I'm on episode, I just finished episode two of season three when they're um, in the future. And it's like the, um, the uh, what do you call that? The, um, oh, fuck. Nanomachines are like made of the whole city. But the humans created the nanomachines and the nanomachines are killing them if they're not happy because they see any other emotion other than happy as a threat. Oh, like the very white resort-like place? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And they're using all the people as fertilizer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to watch more. I got There's a couple of animes I got to catch up with and then I can I'll go back to Doctor Who. But... Um, but yeah, so I fell off a little bit. <laughs> but <coughs> Doctor Who has a ton of soft resets, a ton. Oh, and yeah. the reason I, because the reason I bring this up is that season two of Capaldi is a soft reset. It absolutely is. Um, I, I love Missy. Of, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like Missy. You're talking oh, about yeah. the. Uh, uh, the female version of the master. The master. Yeah. Uh, she's great. The second that her name was Missy, I was like, oh, she's the master. Like the fucking absolute second. 
Like, I didn't even have to think about it. I was like, okay. But, the, you know, again, the show, like, oh, God, I could fucking talk about the brilliance of Doctor Who forever. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I just, this episode was so much fun. I can't wait for the next special. I need to catch up with Doctor Who. I, I, I watched an episode of fucking Jodie Whittaker, and I want to. Yeah, you know, and she's very enjoyable, enjoyable and charming. Uh, enjoyable. Yeah, enjoyable. She's very enjoyable and charming. I was trying to say both words at the same time. Um, uh, I enjoy her companions. It's just some of the stories, you know, weren't as good, but there was some really good stuff. And it's a damn shame because a lot of people just hated on her because the fact that, oh, my God, we can't have a female doctor. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you're gonna get that pushback. I think they know that. It's just the the big difference is uh, I think the big difference is how well can you tell your stories and how well can you keep engagement, positive engagement, while also you know pushing boundaries. So. It sounds like Jodie, you know, the 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 writers on her run did a good job of that. So, because from what I read, and it might just be nostalgia for the most part, like these specials of Doctor Who are have gotten a lot of fucking traction. You still there? Yeah, yeah. What was that you were saying? Uh, I was just saying, like, like when creating a show, especially if you have a Doctor Who and a, and a Doctor with it, you want to try and keep engagement up with the franchise so that way you don't lose traction. You don't lose that, that attention span of people, but you also want to, with Doctor Who, which it's always done, is mm-hmm. push boundaries. Oh, uh, much yeah. like you know, Star, Star Trek, it, it, it wanted to be that kind of show that yeah, gave Trek people definitely push some boundaries. Yeah. So that's that's all I was getting at, and and uh, you know you don't want Doctor Who to die, so you want the show to die with character. By the way, his character is not named Doctor Who; his name is character. His character's name is a Doctor. So you know, um, but the point I'm getting at is. Jodie Whittaker and the team did a good enough job to keep engagement up long enough so that way, you know, the show doesn't crumble. Yeah. It stayed relevant. Did Russell T. Davies write any of the Jodie Whittaker stuff? No, he never wrote any of the Moffat stuff or any of the... It was Chris Chibnall that ran the Jodie Whittaker iteration. But Davies wouldn't come back for any of it. Oh wow! Yeah, I did. I didn't enjoy the Moffat years compared to the Davies years. In fact, I thought that Stephen Moffat was what was wrong with the show. <laughs> uh, I, I just know, a lot of people I... loved Moffat stuff and loved. Uh, you know, his 
his uh, take on the doctor, but well, I just, like I mean, didn't didn't Davies write all of uh, nine and ten? Yeah, Davies wrote all of nine and ten. That's what I but, but after nine and ten, he didn't return back to Doctor Who until they announced that he was doing this taking over yeah. showrunner. That's what I thought. I just wasn't I wasn't hundred percent sure. And we're also guys. We're talking about showrunners, by the way. Yeah, these guys work with the directors, the casting directors, the um, the writers, the the whole kit and caboodle. They work with everybody. They are the ship runner, the captain, if you will. But uh, I, I did laugh at a, t- at a at a TikTok I saw the other day. It was like. It was making fun of the people who are upset about trans and black people in Doctor Who. And it was like, you mean to tell me that a trans man, not trans man, I'm sorry, a a queer man is going to add queer characters into the show? Fucking what is this world coming to? (laughs) Listen, dude, he's not trans, Greg. He is a queer man. I don't know what queer... I don't know if it's pan, bi, gay. I don't fucking know, nor do I care. But yeah. uh, he's gay. Gotcha. He was in a relationship with a guy until the guy died in 2018. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, he had a brain tumor. He only had a three percent chance of recovering. He died uh, on the six years. He made it six years. Wow. After his diagnosis, but they had been together since 1999 until 2018. Eesh. That is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in his honor, episode gets an A+. Episode is fucking... I mean, I was going to give it an A+, regardless, but yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm being facetious. No, it's it's an A+, before I knew that. Um... But, uh, yeah, I watch Doctor Who, everybody. It's fucking great. Oh, and I love the new look of the TARDIS, you know, because if every Doctor regeneration, the TARDIS regenerates itself, too. Yeah. Uh, and The TARDIS was, itself is a character. Absolutely it is. And it was so classic. That, that classic... 70s and 60s, 70s, 80s, the circles, you know, everywhere and just very clean and open. Uh, but they said it was the largest set they've ever built for the TARDIS. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looked good. Yeah, but... this episode was, this was great. I don't know. Is this coming out? Are these three specials coming out each week, three weeks in a row? Uh, let me check. Because I didn't, I don't, I have no fucking clue. Um, uh, bu- 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 <coughs> I don't need to know about every single doctor. Wikipedia. I just want an episode list. You son of a bitch. Episode list. There's 872 episodes of Doctor Who overall. Yeah, and they're missing like 91 episodes. Why? 
like the first early seasons, they lost tapes. They don't have master tapes to the episodes. Wow. All right, Doctor Who 2023 specials. What do I need to know? You motherfucker. Yeah, every week. December 2nd and December 9th. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, we'll be reviewing that next week. Also, the director, Rachel Talele. I guess that's how you pronounce her name. T-A-L-A-L-A-Y. She's previously directed uh, every series finale of the Computer Capaldi era, as well as the Christmas special Twice Upon a Time. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like if you have worked on or around Doctor Who, you're like a member of their family permanently. Yeah, yeah. Neil Gaiman has written a lot of episodes, actually. Yes, yes. He has absolutely done that. Let's <coughs> wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I'll give it an A+. Plus. It was awesome. Yeah, it was fucking great. So, all right. Uh, where's my outro? There it is. Guys, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, next week, we're going to just review the Doctor Who special to um, Wild... Wild blue, blue yonder or something like that, but but yonder, not what, not, but it's like why. Anyway, um, because it's always like a punish sort of thing. Um, so review that we have uh, we have two tests that we've been sitting on for a little while. Um, they're pretty fun because they don't like it's not like which fucking Marvel character are you? And then one of the questions is like, would you build a suit of armor to protect yourself? It's like okay, that's tied to fucking Iron Man. That's not like that. Yeah, my daughter, she takes psychology and she came home one day and she's like, I had to take an emotion, emotional uh, intelligence test today. I was like, really? How'd you do? And she told me. And I was like, yeah, it's expected. And those are really good numbers for somebody at 16. Um, and I was like, I'm curious about this now. And it's called the emotional intelligence test. And I looked it up and I was like, hey, Greg, we, you know, put it in our group chat. I was like, we should all take this, you know, see what our numbers are compared to each other. And we decided to do it for the show. So next week it'll be on there. Yep. Um, the test that I have, which I found interesting, was uh, a couple of college students put together a which Greek god are you test? But it's quite literally like the questions don't hint you to which group God is talking about at all. And it gives you a percentage of which God you are closest to. Mm. So it's multiple. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I thought it was nice. Um, uh, and that's it. That's it on that list. So yeah, Doctor Who and then those two tests next week. Um, again, guys, you're going to see a lot of our older episodes from the last couple months like pop up over yes. time. Um, there will be a date on them so you know where they belong. But if you want to pop in there, more work to do, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Well, you do like one every couple days. I'm not saying you have to do them immediately. I'm just saying, like, oh, I know, I know, I know. I can just in the notes originally recorded X date. (laughs) 
what I what I want to try to do is make a post on um, our Facebook account because guys, we're not going to be on Twitter much longer. Not after everything that happened recently. What happened um, recently? Uh, uh, Elon Musk is an anti-Semite. Oh well, you know I quit using it because you know he's transgender or transphobic as fuck. Oh, that's true. Look, I can I can take the transphobia. <laughs> I can't even get the whole joke out. <clears throat> that's a that's a community joke, y'all. That's a um. Did you ever watch Community? Never did. There's a hilarious bit where one of the characters is like angry at other character, and she goes, um, "I can excuse the racism, but I cannot excuse animal cruelty." And the mm-hmm. black woman in the group goes, "You can excuse racism." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So fucking good. <clears throat> um, but uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we're just not going to post on X anymore because fuck it. The website's gonna fucking it's gonna be dead soon. What's that? I don't even call it that. I still call it Twitter. Sure, I'm just clarifying for anybody who's like, "What the fuck's Twitter?" Because I've had that happen a ton. I'm like, "You gotta be fucking brain dead." Really? Really? Oh yeah. What the fuck is Twitter? It's only not been Twitter for a few months. Right, but regardless, (sighs) we're we're done. We're done with it. That's my point. Uh, What's really funny is that on Xbox. PlayStation and uh, Switch, you cannot post to Twitter anymore. Yep. So, fuck Elon Musk in every way possible. Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to post on our our Facebook account when um, the brand new episodes come out and when the old episodes come out, just so you guys know which is which. Um, uh, I don't know what we can do with Instagram. But uh, it's tricky, but it can be done. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, yes, it's that's uh, that is that. On that note, um, make sure you guys follow all the all the other socials listed down below. We have, you know, there's a couple other sites that we could tie to, but Facebook is going to be our main one at this point. Um, but yeah, go and follow those. Uh, but 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 check out our Teespring store if you want to support the podcast directly. That's where you go to purchase a, a, a shirt or a mug or something like that. And if you made it this far on the podcast, uh, you get a little bit of a discount. Um, when you're at checkout, use AQU15 for 15% off your purchase. Basically take care, takes care of uh, shipping and handling. So, and if you do buy something, let us know. We'll give you a quick shout out. Uh, and that's and it Christmas for my notes. Christmas coming up. You know, it's a great time to buy. True. True. Um, uh, where people find me, uh, you can find yeah. me online and or on Facebook. Uh, under a new profile, uh, Maya Dawn Fisher. It's a public profile. It's only about two months old, uh, but it's there. <laughs> uh, it's also linked to Instagram, which I don't use very much. Uh, other than that, that's where you can find me. What about you, Greg? Where can people uh, you can find, find you. You can find me under Chub Rock Geek on all social medias. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram right now as I post uh, full like clips of um, game night that I have with my buddies. Uh, I've been trying to put on more than just in uh, Uno. 
but we do have our biggest laughs on it now, so there's that. But um, if that's something you're into, go check that out. It's it, it's always funny and a good time, so it's it's worth it's worth the the few minutes. <coughs> um, but uh, but yeah, that's that. Um, again, guys, next week we have those two tests and the Doctor Who special two, which is called it's a wild blue yonder or something like that. Anyway. Uh, very excited about it regardless but again guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week take care everybody